Where in the world is Mike Hurley? Well, it depends who you're talking to. Mike Hurley, oh. the, the body, <laughs> okay. is ah, in London. All right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know this. Mike Hurley, the kind of the general spirit and consciousness, is stuck somewhere um, over the Atlantic Ocean. Right. That Mike Hurley is still catching up with this Mike Hurley. Yeah, he'll be here uh, just in time for it to change again. So, Oh, good. Good. <laughs> very excited about. Perfect. So you're in that in-between time then. Mm-hmm. One trip is over and another trip will start just, yep. as, just as you've adjusted. That's the <laughs> best. That's, that is just the best. Yeah, I've been tra- chasing that feeling for about three months. So I was, I've had a lot of really great travel this back end of the year, mm-hmm. but it's, it has thrown my body clock through a loop. I just got back from Seattle yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, from PodCon. From PodCon. It happened, and I got back yesterday, and uh, I managed to stay awake. I've gotten pretty good at the staying awake when I get home, um, mm-hmm. and then... I just hate when you have really bad jet lag, when you wake up the next morning and feel worse yeah. than bef- when yeah. you went to sleep. Um, and that was how I felt today. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. So I'm drinking a smoothie right now called Vitamin Power. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm hoping that that will get me through. <laughs> yeah, I have often found that the jet lag kind of tricks you. I'm often very optimistic the first day I get back. I feel like, oh, I'm, t- I'm doing really well. But it's like, oh, the jet lag is actually just, it's just winding up for day two. <laughs> when you're like, oh, I feel terrible. Oh, it's day two your day? <laughs> my my worst is night three. Hmm. Night three, I need to clear the schedule for day four because night three <laughs> means Mike will not sleep. Yeah. That tends to be what happens to me. So uh, I've got no sleep coming in a couple of days. So that'll be fun. This is the thing with travel, especially very long travel. Like if you're going from London to the West Coast and back again, is it's it's really got to be worth it to do that trip. And you were going out to a PodCon, the first PodCon. No one had ever been to a PodCon before. Was it worth it, Mike? Was it worth the jet lag? Without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I would do it again. I would do it again next week if there was one next week. I had such a good time at probably the best organized conference I've ever been to. Well, you know, the Greens, they have some experience with organizing conferences. They know what's going on. They put a few together in their days. You know, I've never been to VidCon, but I could. what I could feel was happening was VidCon moved to seattle it was just an incredibly well-oiled machine everything was Mm -hmm. taken care of um like every event that i had to go to there was someone to take me there and pick me up like it was yeah it was amazing i was so blown away by like how all of the details were taken care of and you know it made me smile everyone was wearing radios right like it was just like a whole Mm. big to do it was very very well put together that's really great to hear it's it's one of those things where i was i was not able to attend this year like i wanted to go and i wasn't able to go um 
partly because my travel schedule has also been crazy this year. And I was I was watching I was watching with some sadness people on Twitter like seeming to be having a great time at PodCon. I was like, oh, I'm over here, not able to be there at PodCon. It was a great time. It was really good. Remind me again, like what were your responsibilities at PodCon? You did a panel, is that right? I had four events. Four? Okay. In total. I had a panel mm-hmm. about networks mm-hmm. with some amazing people. I had what's called a podcast scramble. Scramble. Yeah, it's where they put two podcast hosts that have never worked together before together and you make a show about anything. Like speed podcast Like dating? speed podcast dating, yes. Um, but the date happens in front of an audience. Okay. You have to do the podcasts just live? Like what, just you have live. to do a 15-minute show? Yeah, it was a 25-minute show in front of an audience. Do you know who you're going to be scrambled with ahead of time? Yes, we knew... We knew vastly ahead of time, so we were able to put okay. a plan together. Yeah, okay, I wouldn't right. do the other one because that sounds like hell. Yeah, that's a, that's, <laughs> I'm like I'm just I'm just trying to imagine what like maybe from an audience perspective, it would be amazing, right? To have to see two people walk out on stage who don't know that they're going to meet, and then the audience just screams, "Entertain us!" Right, and they have to do it. Like that could be great from a watching perspective for very many reasons. Would every one of these scrambles would be the same. How's PodCon for you? That's how every single one of them would, would go, right? That's how they would all start. How's your PodCon? No, that's not a podcast. Then you're just talking to the audience. It's a podcast if there's two people talking to each other. Uh, so the audience could yell at them and say, no, you're breaking the rules. This isn't a podcast. This mm. is just a show. I don't think I like the CGB Grey organized PodCon very much. Well, this is, this is why I, I <laughs> didn't and shouldn't organize any kind of conference. <laughs> there, there are many things people don't want me to do. One, one of the things highest on that list almost certainly would be trying to organize any kind of conference. Uh, I'm, always, I'm always amazed at these things, and there is, there is no ability for me to put this stuff together. So. No. Okay, but so, we, so it was panel, mm-hmm. scramble. Mm-hmm. What were the other two? Creator chat, which Creator chat. I believe is something that happens at VidCon. Yes, yeah, it does. And this is where, like, I sat down with a group of 12 people um, who I think were all mostly um, podcasters themselves, and they were just asking me questions about Mm -hmm. what my opinions were on things and the way that I do things and stuff like that. That was really fun. Um, And then my signing was the the fourth and final thing. The first three things all happened on Saturday, and my signing Mm -hmm. happened on Sunday. Which was both a blessing and a curse because I felt like Saturday last lasted for two days. It felt like, um, but then I had the impending doom of the signing um, <laughs> hanging over me. Until right, Sunday. the concern, mm-hmm. the signing that you were going to bribe people to come to with your poster. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us, Mike. How was the signing? The signing was uh, very overwhelming for me. Okay. Um, because there were a lot of people there. Uh, I don't know exactly how many, but mm-hmm. I know it was more than anybody was prepared for. <laughs> because uh, we needed a, another, a second volunteer to come and help out. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I realized that I don't know how signings work. <laughs> and i wasn't really sure what i was supposed to do so Mm -hmm. like i have my box of posters in under my arm Mm -hmm. and i was standing behind a black curtain 
Ah, uh, okay. They did. They did that setup, yep. right? Yeah, I know. I know this setup. Yep, uh-huh. <laughs> and I I've walked seen this through the curtain, and there were significantly more people sitting there than I expected. Uh, right. They made noises, um, and then I put the box down on the table, and I said hello, and didn't know what to do next. Right, and no one was there to tell me. Um, so I sat down and then the, the volunteer was like, because this is a great thing I didn't expect, which, um, shows the organization happening behind the scenes. I expected to just see a line of people just lining up, Mm -hmm. but what they do is they sit everybody down in front of you, almost like audience style and then bring people up line by line. And they just have one row lining up at a time. Mm-hmm, so it mm-hmm. means the people that are waiting aren't just standing around. They're sitting down. It's like, that's a really smart way to do this. I just assumed well, yeah. that there would just be like a snaking line of people. It's very uncomfortable to stand. Exactly. For as long as, for as long as much, as much time as it's going to take. Yep. To see a Mike Hurley, apparently. Well, it did take a long time for some people, unfortunately. Uh, I had an hour, right? That was my mm-hmm. allotted time. So, um, I've, I, figured i just started and people came over and i would say like hi hello how are you like i was able i got good at reading people's names from their name tags so i could start writing the names down because i like, write a little name write the name on the poster i could ask them where they wanted me to sign it because there wasn't like an obvious place um, i ended up working out the obvious place on the poster i'm going to put a link in by the way to the poster in the show notes i'll talk about the poster again in a minute but just so you can see it and i was writing it kind of like around the chair there's like a chair in the poster and it's like a white space i was writing it there like thanks so much for coming blah 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 saying to people like how are you enjoying the how are you enjoying podcon that kind of thing people would usually have mm-hmm. something that they wanted to say to me and that was great so moving through people I was having a great time it felt really cool taking some pictures then a little while goes by. I I don't even check my watch. Like I'm just completely focused on what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? You, don't, you don't have any time no to time. check your watch in those no kind time. of situations. So like I'm just going through these things, getting the post, signing it, blah, da, 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 like this. The volunteer comes up to me and she says, "I just want to let you know that uh, you've run through half of your time, but a quarter of the people." Oh God! And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> oh God! Okay. So I was like, "Right, okay then." So I uh, just tried to start speeding up a little bit, speeding up a little bit, and I was kind of getting to the point where, like, I figured I think the thing that's taking me the longest amount of time is writing out an individual note on everyone's posters, which was right. what I wanted to do but couldn't. So I was just like writing people's names down, signing it, taking pictures, that kind of thing. A little while passes more and she comes up to me again. She's like, you're, you're going to have to speed up because the McElroy brothers are next. <laughs> right. And like people are starting to arrive for their right, signing. Right. Of right. Course, of so, course, right. And so then it's, it's continuing to go through, continue to go through. And then I noticed something changed in the audience where like what was happening was people would come and then I would sign the poster. And if they wanted a picture, the volunteer would take the picture. So, mm-hmm. like, beforehand, they would give her their phone. She would take the picture and go. Then I noticed something change where, like, other people in the line were taking pictures f- for them. And I was at first, I thought, oh, these are just all friends. But then, mm-hmm. like, that person would take... And then, the, and then what, I, what I realized had happened is that the volunteer had said to people, you can choose something signed or a picture. Ah, uh, okay. So, the, right, so the, right. the attendees were going rogue. 
and taking pictures for each other. Right. But I like, see. the thing was, what ended up being the best move was to ask for the picture because I was making sure every person left with a poster because that was right. the, that was the deal we made. Right. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knew this, but that was the deal that me and you, the listener, made. So, like, if they took it, I would just scribble my name on it and like just throw it at them. <laughs> right. I got through everybody. I thought I was going to die, uh, <laughs> and like the volunteer came up to me afterwards. She was like, "Thank you so much. You were amazing." And we were not expecting this amount of people. <laughs> so, Bray, <laughs> the bribery worked. Uh huh. Maybe a little too worked. well. Maybe a little too. I would say for me personally. Uh, it worked great because uh-huh. I didn't walk out to just five people who were my friends. Right. Oh, that was a great moment. There were like five of my friends who were in the audience and they all lined up. Basically, they came over. We just took a picture and I told them to get the heck out of there. And like, and I, I could feel the happiness from the volunteer who was trying to deal with this as I knocked mm-hmm. out half of a line in two seconds. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I just gave them their posters because they were just there for me in case nobody showed up, right? This is my backup right. plan. So uh, the volunteer's thinking, oh, this guy's a real pro. He's yeah. going to get through this line in, in no time at all. Little did they know what was actually about to happen. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, this guy's great. He must do this all the time. <laughs> right. right like, because there's that, like, it's full, right? So they're like, well, if yeah. this is full, he must have done these before. But yeah. It turns and, out. And so no. that's why you didn't get a warning until half the time was gone because they were thinking, oh, at any moment, he's going to get back into the groove of it. And then, and then there didn't, was panic slowly. There was no out. groove. Yeah, no, no groove. No groove. They need like uh I feel like in like in running you have a like a, a pacer runner, right? Like I feel like they need some kind of mechanism to, to visually indicate to you if you are on ahead or behind schedule, like some kind of visual pacing mechanism. Well, like they could build like a a signing robot, which is signing a pace. I got like a pace robot. And that sits next And I've to got you. to kind of match the pace of the robot that sits next to me. Yeah, I think that that would probably make it feel just as as personal and non-mechanical mm-hmm. to the people coming to see you for the signing. Maybe it's if you. There was, Maybe if there you're was the a pace, pace robot. robot. No, 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 don't no, don't drag me into this. Don't I'm not I'm not here to I'm not here to help you out with this. But I just I don't think the pacing robot is is good. I'm just thinking like behind the line just a light that's in your field division that you can see that's you know green, yellow or red for how well you're doing. Right? That's 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 what they need. I want to get real for a second and just uh, I want to thank everybody that did come to the signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think pretty much all of those people listened to Cortex. Everybody told me that they loved the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, Gray, a real life moment for me, honestly, because yeah. I wasn't expecting a lot. Oh, one thing I forgot to tell you. So I'm, I'm, I'm like in the kind of the, the green room getting ready to go. And I'm kind of I'm nervous, right? Because I don't know what, what's waiting for me, right? And then somebody sent me a tweet. This is like 20 minutes before my signing that there were 50 people in the line at that point. That made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do now. Because like at that point, that's already like maybe 10 times more people than I expected were going to be there. Um, right. So the whole situation is something that I will never forget because it was com- like emotionally overwhelming. Um, so yeah, thank you if you came it was it was amazing it really was just amazing I, I i couldn't believe it it was brilliant oh i signed a bunch of phones oh did you yeah yeah uh two iphones two google pixels the pixels are better to sign on 
Oh, are they? Um, yeah, something about the aluminium in them, like the way it's, it was way nicer. Somebody had me sign an iPhone 4, which was a disaster because it's glass. So the no, Sharpie I, didn't stick to it. cannot be signed. Can't I be signed. Sign uh, I no, signed some beard oil. <laughs> okay. All right. I was I was one, I was was wondering. I thought, like, some Cortex listener is going to bring beard oil. I, yep. I, someone I, brought beard oil, mm-hmm. and one person brought a safety razor. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> t-shirts. Signed a couple of T-shirts. Um, stuff like that. But, yeah, the, the beard oil and the safety razor were hilarious. The t-shirts really are the hardest thing to sign. So like, there t-shirts. was one very smart person brought their own fabric pen. Because mm. I only mm. had Sharpies. Sharpies are a disaster. Yeah, a Sharpie trying to sign a t-shirt. Doesn't work. It's, it's terrible. You need, if you're going to have a, if you're going to try to sign a t-shirt with a Sharpie, you need three people. You need the signer yep. and you need two people to hold tight mm-hmm. the shirt in place in order to even have a chance of it like happening. feel like you need like a medieval rack. <laughs> To put yeah, the that, that, in. yeah, that, that's that's 100% what it's is necessary. Like the only thing that can keep it taut enough so you can yeah. actually make the Sharpie make any kind of imprint. <laughs> it's just like, I, I know before having ever done these things in my head, I think like, oh, t-shirts seem like, oh, that must be so, they're like the best design, mm-hmm. right? Is it easy to bring? You know, it's like, no, they're the worst. They're the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was, I remember the first time I signed the t-shirt like years ago and it was someone was wearing the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It, I, it was a nightmare. It looks like it was signed by somebody who's never held a pen before. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just it's just the worst. <laughs> just a bunch of horrible lines. Well, I'm 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 really glad to hear that the that the signing went well and mm-hmm. and you know it, those things can be like it. It's such a there's such strange moments that it's it's hard to express what it's really like so but like i get what you mean when you say it's it's emotionally overwhelming because Mm -hmm. you have this thing where it's all of these people are here because they've listened to you on a podcast for you know they've listened to you on many podcasts for many hours and you know they're they're coming up and they want to say something to you and you're you're signing these things and then there is also like what makes it draining is there's there's like there's a time constraint or there's a number of people and you want to make sure that everybody is as happy as you can possibly make them. But you also have these constraints in the world. Like it's, it's a, it's a strange situation that, that can be overwhelming on a, on a whole bunch of different levels. Did you have to do anything immediately after the signing or could you go just collapse on the floor? No, I was ended up being very happy that I only had that to do on Sunday. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. at first, I was like, "But like, I have so busy on Saturday." But like, no, I needed the rest of Sunday to just sit and, and just try and rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There were two other things about PodCon that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. One was the feeling of the conference and the audience and the attendees. There was a feeling of just like niceness and warmth and like mm-hmm. appreciation that I've never felt at any conference before. Um. It, everybody just seemed to be really nice and having a good time. And that was amazing. Do you think it was partly like, because um, I'm thinking like, you know, we've been at WWDC together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, do you think that's just because like, it's much smaller than WWDC is, you know, because WWDC is like, you know, last year in particular, it's like, oh, the entire city of San Jose is now WWDC Disney. Uh, and like, that's, that's a very particular feeling. Like an entire city has taken over a, place like so, okay so like what's, what's the comparison in your mind between the, those two there's no cynicism but podcon hmm 
Right, right. Everyone's just super excited and happy to be there. But and like at, at something like a WWDC, there is there is always a like a level of people, and and I'm not talking about like um if we do meetups or whatever. It's very similar to my experience at PodCon, but mm-hmm. like the overall feeling of the conference, I've never felt something like this, where like everyone was like super happy. You know, there are a bunch of people in cosplay. Um, there are like fan, like, like attendee generated meetups that were like mm. official on the program. Um, whenever like anybody goes onto a stage, everyone goes crazy for them. Like there was just like a general feeling of like everyone that is there is super excited and happy to see the thing that they love. Where like at other conferences, you, there can be like apathy to people that are coming on stage because like, you don't know who they are. Um, or like it's something like a WWDC, there's a real mix of like just general feelings towards what's happening at the conference. Mm-hmm. And that didn't feel like that with PodCon. So I guess you're saying that if they do it again next year, you'd go. That, 100%. That seems to be the conclusion. 100%. Because I also had the experience of being a fan myself, seeing some of my favorite podcasts. Like there were podcasts that I adore that were on stage and mm-hmm. I got to sit in the audience and watch them. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Like I really, really enjoyed that, um, and it was all just in this one event. I would one hundred percent go, and I would just say nobody's asked me to say this, Gray, um, but it is possible still to sign up to get a remote attendee ticket, which is audio of panels and stuff like that. And I believe that the podcast scramble and the uh, panel that I did about podcast networks will be available to people Ooh. to listen to. I think the ticket's like thirty dollars for the remote attendance. Um, but there was a ton of fantastic panels across the whole weekend, some that I'm looking forward to hearing again um, or some that I missed. So you can still go and get that and you can get a lot of the value if you're looking to learn some stuff um, or if you're looking to be entertained from that. So I just wanted to mention that because there was so much great stuff there and if you couldn't make it and or if this now sounds interesting to you and you're like, oh man, I wish I would have been, now you can still get some of that stuff. You still get some of that feeling. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I, I've I haven't come across this idea of a remote me either ticket before, but it makes so much sense considering it was a podcast convention that you would have audio <laughs> available yeah, yeah, afterwards. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like could this be more thematically on target? I think not. Uh, that's that's a really that's a really interesting idea to do the remote attendance ticket. Hmm. Yeah, I I will be looking forward to hearing hearing your panel mm-hmm. and hearing your scramble scramble. Something about the word, man. I love it. Scramble. <laughs> Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by our friends at Casper, the company focused on sleep that are dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spend a third of your life doing just about anything, surely you want to make it the best it can possibly be. That's why you need Casper. Their mattresses are perfectly designed for humans of all shapes and sizes, with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. Casper mattresses have got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? Well, they combine multiple supportive memory foams to give you a quality mattress that has just the right sink and just the right bounce. Their mattresses are designed and developed in the United States of America, and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night so you stay nice and cool, don't get too cold, don't get too hot, just right. The Goldilocks 
uh, mattresses, if you will. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average of rating of 4.8 stars, it's so simple to see that Casper is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They're going to deliver directly to your door. And if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. Let me tell you a little bit about that delivery. When you get your Casper mattress, you'll be able to get the box in the house. You'll be able to maneuver it around. You don't do none of that pivot nonsense, stretching it around corners and up staircases because it just comes in a box. You take the mattress out of the box. You cut it open from the bag, lay it on the bed, and it breathes to life, ready for you to sleep on. It is a positively magical experience start sleeping ahead of the curve with casper you get 50 dollars towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com cortex and using cortex at checkout terms and conditions apply that is casper.com cortex and offer code cortex for that 50 dollars towards any mattress purchase our thanks to casper for their support of this show great cortex is about two and a half years old now Oh as, God. A, as a project. Uh, sorry, I meant two weeks. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> oh, no. Now it's uncertain if it's going to last. Exactly. So two weeks. Is, uh, just, I, I, I feel like projects should be eternally 10 months old. Okay. <laughs> that, that feels like a number I like. So let me let me re-say that thing. Grey Cortex is 10 months old now. Okay. Yeah, it feels about feels right. Feels good, right? Feels good. Yeah. Since the beginning of the show, people have been asking... For us to talk about what we're going to talk about today. You wrote a blog post. You're, you're hyping it up, Mike. You wrote a blog, I know I am. You wrote a blog post in 2014 called State of the Apps. Yeah. In which you kind of went through in a bunch of different categories, some tools that you use and you wanted to share them. So when people started yeah. asking me for this, and it was a lot, right? Like I, I was getting it a lot. And still yeah, do. I, I always actually. regret writing that article. <laughs> I should never have written that article. I had assumed <laughs> that you were writing it every year. Yeah, that was the intention. <laughs> because people would say, oh, you should do a state of the apps. You should do a state of the apps. I Googled it, saw what it was, like, oh, that would be a good idea. And I put it in my note. Right. And then when I went to look into this maybe six months ago, kind of like, let's maybe start thinking about planning this one out. I was surprised when I couldn't find 2015 and 2016 <laughs> because the amount that people were asking made me think that you had done it regularly. But no, you did it once three years ago. Yeah. But everybody wants it. And yeah. I can't remember why we're doing it today, but we are. I think maybe I can finally ground you down because it is a really good idea. And I guess now is the time, right? Yeah, I, th I think it's, it's partly... It's partly that you ground me down and it's partly because when we were, we were talking about when does it make sense to do it at the end of the year is a, is a totally sensible time to do it. Um, and it, it feels like, oh, okay, if we're going to talk about it, you know, Christmas time, talk about all the different apps. That's not a bad time. People might be getting new devices and looking, trying to find like, what, what do they want to install on those devices? And so, yeah, this is this is the best time to do it. And also, it might be easier for you to talk about it with me rather than trying to write an article about it instead every year. Yeah, well, like, doing a little sidebar here. Please. Uh, so, the, that article is State of the Apps 2014, but it was actually written in December 2013. Uh, because I felt like, oh, I'm going to write this article, <laughs> but, I want it, but I want it to be good for a whole year. Right. So it's like, it's like, uh, I think, don't they do this with cars? Like the, 
2018 car comes out in 2017. Yeah. I think that's what they yeah, do. That's I don't what know. happens. Yeah. Right. So that, that was my idea. Like state of the apps 2014 is this article is good for the year 2014 upcoming. Uh, <laughs> but um, I did write it. It was just like, it was just like a little list, but it was, it ended up just being an enormous amount of work and hassle getting together all the little icons and putting together all the little links. And <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> because the icons look so bad on the page. I know. Like they've Here's all got the little white boxes around them and everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, okay. So uh, let me tell, let me tell you just a little story about those white boxes. Uh huh. Those, those white boxes are an example of me giving up on something because. Mm, okay. Okay. Sidebar to the sidebar. <laughs> this, this was back before I found the person who is currently my assistant. Right. So this is a couple of assistants before I found my current assistant. And this was one of those cases where like, you assign someone a task and you say, look, I need a bunch of app icons. And what you get back is one of these things where you feel like if I have to explain to you that they can't have white boxes around them. Like I, I just, I, this is, I can't, I, I can't fix this. I don't care enough. I don't want to reassign this thing. Like it was just whatever. It, I got this back. It's not what I wanted, but it's just, it's just done. Uh, so, so those, I, I like, I remember those white boxes quite intensely. Uh, like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see what's happening. Okay. But then one of the other things that, that does happen is there are very few times I have written articles on my website. And it is definitely a thing where the frequency has dramatically dropped from when I first set up the website. And that, that is 100% like a, a, like a return on investment calculation that... Uh, as my career as a YouTuber and then podcaster has progressed, it is, I'll, I'll put it this way, it is near fundamentally impossible for me to justify spending almost any time writing something that is just going to turn into text on the website. Uh, and it's it's almost impossible to justify on two levels. One, I don't have any direct advertising on the website. So the website doesn't really make any money. And then the other side of it is, even if I'm just putting together a list article, like a like a state of the apps list article, um, that has a huge opportunity cost because it's it's like the same amount of mental, or I should put it this way. It's like, I only have so much mental energy per day that I can throw at writing. And so to spend that mental energy on the list article is like is like doubly insane that there's no way it's going to make any revenue and it is the opportunity cost is is incredible. So that that's partly why like articles have have just disappeared from the repertoire of, of what are the things that I do. I just don't really do them anymore. So that is why like State of the Apps was was toward the end of that phase where I was realizing that that writing articles doesn't make any sense in the portfolio of gray industries. So yeah. that's that, that's also why it just it never got another it never got a follow up. And then why write an article when you can make a great podcast topic out of it? Hence 
State of the Apps 2017. Here we are. <laughs> no, no, Mike, it's it's State of the Apps 2018. 2018. Right, yes. Right? How do you yes. not understand? Yes. State of the Apps 2018, that's what this is. Well, I'm I'm too deep in Upgradies 2017 thinking right now. Ah, okay, right, yes. That makes sense, though, because it's the award for the previous year. Exactly. But see, if, if, we, if we put this podcast up with the title State of the Apps 2017, people won't be listening to it next Christmas. Yep. So, State of the Apps 2018. You previously did this with a bunch of categories. Um, yeah. And I've made a little note in our document of all the categories. Mm. But you've sent me a little mind map, and the categories are totally different. So, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, what, what I was planning on doing is I was going to go through all the categories. Um, but now okay. you're going to have to suggest the categories, and we can oh. work on it that way. So, we can start wherever you want to start. <laughs> Okay, this is also actually one of the reasons why I think this this kind of makes um, this is actually better to do as a podcast mm-hmm. because I think rather than me just like listing a few things, there is there is a way that you can like talk about why you've chosen a thing, sure, or in a in a way that makes more sense. But this but this is this is the difficulty here of like where do things fit? And I feel like no no, I'm very happy to follow your format, Mike. You run the show, right? Like, okay, you're, you're the you're the man. You're the man who does all of the things. I just, I just show up. Right? That's, that's what I do. So you want me to run through the previous 2014 format, and we're going to talk about them all. I am happy to rearrange on the fly in okay. whatever, whatever way makes sense for you. Because this morning, also just like a little, a little sidebar to the article. This morning, one of the things How I was realizing. How many sidebars deep are we right now? Look, Did we there's ever many, come out? there's many. No, no, we, we closed those previous two, oh, okay, good, and now good, this good. is another one. Good, Look, good. you have to keep the parentheses open and closed in your mind, right? And mm-hmm. you have them with different colors, like in a programming text editor. Anyway, looking back over my old article this morning, when I was preparing for the show, I realized that a lot of those categories don't even entirely make sense anymore. And and part of it is recognizing, like, I have these overlapping field of, fields of work that I didn't at that point. Uh, and I was really shocked to realize that that article was written before i had done any podcasting at all oh really yeah yeah this was this was prior to any podcast existing and i I was looking at some of my software choices and i was like oh my god how did you do anything with that buddy like how how were you putting together videos with garage band still like i don't understand what how past gray was doing that stuff so the categories have have sort of changed so this morning i wasn't really sure how to arrange things in my little in my little just making notes so you you lead i will follow mike so let's start in 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 og order with productivity hmm. so what are some of your what is some of your app picks for productivity because that i think something that maybe didn't exist and does exist now i know it's in my kind of list for stuff and i can see that you have some things like this too have services as well as apps and I think that is just a change from 2013 to now, is that there are a lot more services that exist. Yeah, this is this is definitely a thing, is recognizing services exist. Um, okay, so, so on that note, the big productivity service and, and the thing that has made made a really big difference to me this year and i think um 
I'm going to touch on a little bit more in our next episode where we plan to talk about our year themes. Oh, no, don't tell uh, people. But, well, <laughs> that's not a very great thing to do, right? To, no, like, what if, uh, what no. if something changes? Uh, I, I'm pinning you down, Mike. Okay. The next episode. Year, year themes. themes. Right. Um, but a service related to that, the biggest, biggest thing that I've spent the most time on this past year is, is by far and away Toggle, which is the, the time tracking service. And 10,000 people just stop listening. <laughs> Bye, everyone. I don't know why you said that, Mike. Everybody, everybody likes the time tracking conversations. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, by far and away, it's like, is Toggle an app? No, it's not really an app. Uh, but it's a, it's a service that you can use in a bunch of different ways from a bunch of different places to keep, to keep track of time tracking. Yeah, they have an iPhone app that isn't horrific now. Um, yeah. they have they have an okay iPhone app, but it's only on the iPhone. Uh, both yeah. me and you still use it with some workflow triggers that we set up. Yeah, I would. That's exactly the way I would describe it too. Is is that their their iPhone app is okay? Uh, <laughs> it's it's serviceable. Um, their web app is vastly better. Like using yeah, without, using without Toggle's doubt. website is is way better than using their app, even on an iPhone. Oh yeah, without a doubt. That's that's definitely the case. Um. But yeah, so that's that is like that is just a big overarching umbrella under which a lot of this other stuff falls. Is that throughout the past year, uh, I have gotten better and better and better at nearly constantly running a toggle timer in the background when I'm awake, um, and then that that obviously connects into these things like we like we you just mentioned there is like how do I do that? I'm using workflow as a, as like a custom interface on top of toggle uh, so that I can have preset timers turn on just by pressing a single button. So I don't need to fiddle with their app. I don't need to fiddle with the website. And I, I think if there was if there was some kind of uh, frequency tracker for how often you launch an app, my workflow that I, I save on my phone to start picking toggle timers to start that has got to be my most opened app by two orders of magnitude compared to anything else on my phone by far uh so i, I would say those those are the those are the big ones big ones for me this year in productivity i would say without a doubt it's the same um for me to achieve my year of less uh mm-hmm. i started time tracking and time tracking is a habit for me now um i recognize this the most when i travel because when i travel even if i'm working i tend not to time track yeah it's it's really hard to do when you're traveling but the reason that i know this has worked is immediately when i come home i start again Mm -hmm. you know it's not that like i'm away for a couple of weeks come home and then i've just fell out of the habit of it now i just go straight back into regular mode again and it goes back to time tracking and for me personally I wouldn't say that like I'm using this data very frequently to make decisions about the way that I work, but I have used this data at a couple of really key points for me this year, and mm-hmm. having that data is vastly superior to not having that data when it's come to me to make some decisions about my working life. Mm. There's also just a mode shift in pressing the button. Yeah. Like, press the button, right, here we go, We're going to work now. Like, And then when I'm done, I clock out and that that just the way that that makes me feel like the clocking in and clocking out of certain tasks um really kind of helps solidify in my mind when i'm working and when i'm not 
more next time. But mm-hmm. but one of the benefits for me with Toggle is the same thing. Is like how how often am I really using that data in a in a granular way? Not a lot. Uh, but what is mentally helpful is simply knowing that somewhere there's a clock running makes me more conscious of what I'm doing in any particular moment. Uh, and it just, it makes me more intentional in the decisions that I'm making about how I'm spending my time. And for, for that alone, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a really great, it's a really great improvement. And the, the biggest deal and biggest difference by far in, in the, in the productivity category for me. I also switched to to do this this year um, for my uh, my to do my task management tool, and I've been very happy with Todoist. It it gives me basically everything that I needed um, from OmniFocus, and mm-hmm. the things that OmniFocus has that Todoist doesn't have ended up not being deal breakers for me at all. But the thing that I wanted is the thing that I got, which is the ability for other applications and services to be able to read and write to my task manager. That has been great Mm. for me. Um, And I've been very happy and continue to explore ways to do this because it's enabling me to not have to remember everything. That not every entry that goes into my task manager has to come from me remembering to put a thing in it. Sometimes things just appear in it on their own, and and I find uh, great comfort in that. How much do you use their shared features? Like, are you using that with Relay or with anybody else? Zero. You, okay, so you're using it as a yeah, personal. I mostly task don't manager. like the idea of somebody being like a person being able to add and remove tasks from lists. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I just personally like to put it in myself and assume that the other people person will do the same. Um, I've, right. I've played around of it a little bit and ultimately I don't like all that stuff being in the same place. Hmm. My, my, my to-do app is like a fortress. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. And there's one mm-hmm. tunnel, which is for web services. And that's the only tunnel. I think it was, at, I think it was at your urging. I tried to do it. Uh, and for me, it has fallen into the exact opposite role, which is that it is purely uh, for shared tasks and I, I don't use it at all for an individual. Uh, so this is the program that is used between my assistant and I. And even there, it's it, it's interesting to see that what has happened is it's not like it is um, it's not used on on like a daily basis of checking in things and being constantly updated. But we have ended up using it like a record of what are the active projects to review every once in a while uh so it, it, it's acting like it's a like a placeholder for what are the things that are going on hmm. um but it's it's clearly not being used by either of us as like the busy daily thing and like on her end she has her own system that she's actually using for her task management personally in the same way that i am using my own stuff for my personal things but this is this is just like uh where are we in on a very high level on various projects like that that's what has ended up happening with with todoist for me so you actually using a task manager again okay shall we talk about three task managers i mean Shall we? I don't know. I guess if that's what we're doing, I was only asking if you were using one, but if it takes 
three to talk about it, then sure, we'll do that. <laughs> okay, let's let's run through a few of the of the task managers that I have on my on my list here. Clear your afternoon, everyone. No, I can get through this very quickly. Okay. Mike. I can get through it very quickly indeed. So what yeah, the task manager thing. I do I do a little bit want to save that again for a conversation next time. Sure. But I will I will broadly say that it's like, yes, I've been trying to get back into using task managers on a more regular basis uh, because this year I was a little bit in the wilderness with task managers. And what I'm currently doing is uh, I'm using three for different things. OmniFocus is still the heavyweight task manager where I can throw a bunch of templates into it, right? Really long checklists for putting up podcasts or putting up videos like that. That is the the heaviest of the heavyweight things. I'm using to do as like, I was trying to think about how to describe this this morning, but I've, I've been using to do as like a habit or routine tracker. So these are tasks like in the morning, I have a bunch of things that I call like boot up and I want to run through those things. Like here's a bunch of easy wins in the morning to check off, check off these boxes and you're just getting the day started right. Um, like w- one of them, one of the simplest ones is just like drink a glass of water in the morning uh, because it's just like I've seen like I definitely have a better day when I do that. So that goes in to do. And then like another one of those things is like go to the office. Right. That's like another little part of the morning routine. It's like, okay, great. I can tick this off in the box. So all of these things are actual items in a checklist that you check off. Yeah, they are items in the checklist that I check off. So let me ask you a question then. Mm -hmm. How do you remember to start the list? To do shows the badge on my phone. Right. So that's that's the that's the way it communicates to me. So what are these daily recurring tasks? Yeah, there's the way I've set it up in to do is they're daily recurring tasks that are set as due in the morning or due in the middle of the day or due in the evening, which are like my three primary habit locations where I want to reinforce some behavior. And so I just tick them off every day and they're daily repeating and they, and they come back on the, on the day that they need to. But like I said, I, I really like it. This is, this is a kind of task that for a long time I've, I've always done that I, that I think of as like a workflow sort of task. This, this isn't the actual work. Um, maybe these things do or don't need to happen on any particular day, but like, this is how a theoretically perfect day would go. This is the kind of day that you want to reestablish. And like I said, I I really like it in the morning for starting a kind of momentum to make things just like easy to begin the day and feel like, okay, great. I got some, my brain got some quick, meaningless wins. But it still it still helps get the ball rolling on the bigger things that need to happen. Okay, so what's the third one? Okay, so the the final one is one I've just been playing around with a little bit, which is things. And things has taken over the slot from clear, uh, which is the the place for having a really simple, super limited task manager. So what I like that for is sometimes on a on busy days, I feel like I need to put or I should I should back it up not on a busy day, but I very often find on days where you're feeling overwhelmed by tasks, the most effective thing is to really narrow down and to say, okay, 
I'm feeling really overwhelmed. There's like a whole bunch of stuff in the world. OmniFocus has a badge that has 67 in it. Uh, you know, like I'm really overdue on a whole bunch of stuff. That would end my life, you know. <laughs> what do you mean? Like that would be it. I would die. <laughs> if I saw a badge that said 67, that would just that'd be it. I would I would immediately die. <laughs> yeah, it's this is one of the disadvantages of having like uh, of having of being ridiculously thorough with like all the stuff that needs to happen and putting it into a system is that you can end up with this like um like sudden overloads where a bunch of things come together all at once and you're like oh god every, like this automatic system is showing me a million things that are due today if if my if my badge when i wake up in the morning on to doist is over 7 i know that my day is fucked like it's just ruined <laughs> Yeah, this you do have to keep in mind that that in OmniFocus, I'm being ridiculously granular. Yeah, I know you don't have like 67 podcasts to post that day, but it's just yeah. like <laughs> that number is just horrific to me. And and there are ways in which like when you're really on your game, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, I've got a lot of stuff. And I'm going to sort of blow through it. But I do I do like to have on hand something that I can use as the I'm going to have a simple and narrowly focused day. Um, and in the past, I've always used Clear for that, uh, but Clear hasn't updated in a while. I know that they are intending to release a new version soon, but they haven't actually done it yet. I still use Clear, and I mm. am on the beta for Clear. Oh. I know the app is coming, and it's going to be awesome. Like, I know that, because I, I, I can see it, they are working on a new version. I just mm. wanted to mention that, because every time we mention Clear... Um, there are people that that send us screenshots now of like because they they've said I mean they've said it publicly you can look in your release notes and they're saying that they are working on a on a new mm. version and and I have been using the new version and it's, and it's great so I'm just saying like for me for right now uh, I'm just I'm using things in that place and I've always felt like things is a very nicely designed app which which is why it can it can easily take over that slot in my mind from clear. Whereas, like, the thing that I liked in Clear is, like, it's simple and it's nicely designed and things fills that same role. Like, it's simple and it's nicely designed and it's very easy to say on things, okay, here are four things that if I, I do today, I'll feel like it was a great day and I'm just going to have a day where I'm, I'm focused more narrowly on, on what's occurring. So... Those are the ways in my mind that I use these different task managers from like lightest weight things to heaviest weight OmniFocus. And uh, that's, that's, that's currently what I'm using with those. So you're actually using four task managers. I don't really count Todoist in, oh, this, okay. in this realm. I do, but I mean, I'm going to count it for you. Yeah, I, the, reason, the reason that I don't is, is in my mind, like, Todoist could easily be replaced by a Google Doc, like a shared Google Doc, w doc with some bullet points on yeah, it. Yeah, but, like, things could just be reminders or, like, a piece of paper. Yeah. I see what you're saying, though. I guess, I guess it's just, <laughs> like, any, anything could be anything if, if we tried. Like, yeah. you know, this, this could be distributed as an audio cassette. Exactly. But, so there are four uh, task managers that are in use, like... Yeah, I, I I just don't think of to do as like a task manager uh -huh. because I feel like I'm using n almost none of the features of a task manager. Okay, I can it's sympathize just, just with like you a, a little list. bit because like people always mention how I have like three to do, like to do managers on my home screen or something right. like that. Right N now, I think it's only two because I have Todoist and do 
because mm-hmm. Dew is amazing for just those things like take out the trash. And it will remind me oh, every yeah. few minutes. Oh, yeah. I also have Dew on my... I didn't even mention that one. Right? I know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's not really the same. Like taking no, out the trash... it's a totally different thing, yeah. ...isn't like publishing a podcast. I mean, I guess there sometimes are some similarities between those two things, but like they're completely different actions. Uh, yeah. That yeah, I mean, I mean if you ideas. if you really if you really want to be pernickety about it, you could get this number for me up to six. Yeah, because I do also use reminders, the built-in reminders and notes. Solely notes has a checklist function. No, okay, no, but I, I don't use and the Fantastical. checklist function. You can do reminders in Fantastical. No, but the, no, remind, fant- okay, you're, not, you're pushing it too far, Mike. This is just <laughs> ridiculous. But I, I, I do use one of the very few things that Siri uses useful for is. Sometimes being able to just tell her, like, remind me about a thing at this time, right? Or when I leave my house, remind me to whatever. Uh, I don't do that very often, but I do do that sometimes. Uh, And so, yeah, I guess six is the maximum in theory that it could be. So we are still in the productivity category, which I had expected would probably be the category that we spend the most time talking about. Um, I guess for me as well in there uh, would be something like Fantastical. My calendar is very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would uh, I would assume that that was your pick too, Fantastic Hell. Yeah, so I I use two calendars. I Naturally. use the built-in Apple Calendar, <laughs> and I use Fantastic Hell. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Mike? No reason. <laughs> <laughs> One is none, right? Okay, no, that's that's a that doesn't apply to calendaring apps. No, you just you're just being silly now, Mike. Oh, okay, of course it doesn't. You just have two for fun. Why else would you have two? Uh, I like to have the I have the two simply so that I can I can leave them in different states. Um, so like Fantastical, I use as the like what are the most important things I need to see today. So Fantastical has a very, very limited subsection of the calendars that okay. it ever has open. Uh, so when I open it up, like the things I want to see on, on Fantastical are uh, my podcasting calendar. So it's like, do I need to be recording something today? Uh, the social calendar that's shared with my wife. Like, am I supposed to be at some dinner party? I didn't remember until the last possible second. Right. It's like, okay, yeah, that'll be there. Um, and I have my own calendar that I call Changes. Which is essentially anything that I need to know about on the day that's different from normal. So like meetings or like any place that I need to be, that that's going to be there. So what I like to have is Fantastical is just those. And the place I actually use it the most is their little widget on the phone mm-hmm. so that I can swipe over into the widget area and just really quickly, this is actually one of my little like morning routine things is check the calendar just to see if there's anything you've totally forgotten about today and that like that is all i want to see whereas um the regular built-in apple calendar there i have a whole bunch of other things uh that like none of them are urgent but if i'm planning my year like i want to see a bunch of different things um but so fantastic how i use is just a fast way to access the most important subset of the calendars that i want to take a look at how many calendars do you have, Mike? Just Fantastical? Just the one? Yeah, oh, I mean, the Apple calendar is installed on my device. Right, yeah. We're but, only talking about the things you use, though. But, yeah, I don't use it for anything. I just use Fantastical. One thing that Fantastical on the Mac has, which I wish they would bring to the iPhone version, is the idea of calendar sets. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah I, I, I wish 
I wish that they would do that as well. Like So like you can switch modes between like I want to have two sets and they have three different calendars in each. So like you could build that system in there if you wanted to, where you like you have the one that you have all the time, but then when you want to see everything, you just change set and you get everything. Which I like to use this on the Mac because there are some calendars that I only need access to to input stuff. I never need to see them because they're triggering mm-hmm. things. And Or like uh, we broadcast shows live a lot at Relay FM and we have a public-facing live calendar. Um, so if I change the t- time of a recording that I'm doing, I also have to change it on the live calendar as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. I would like I wish that there was an easier way to bring that in rather than having to like go into settings and manually enable the calendar and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, that that is a really nice feature. And and, uh, especially if you're in a situation where you're working with other people and you need to have shared calendars that you might not need to be thinking about in all all different situations, uh, the the ability on the Mac to switch between these different calendar sets is is really great. It's it's a great addition that I, I, I too wish that they would bring to iOS. Yeah, for sure. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. You can get $30 off your first delivery with free shipping as well by going to blueapron.com slash cortex. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system in the process. This is why they set the highest standards for their ingredients whilst building their community of home chefs. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to you at home so you'll be able to make delicious home-cooked meals in 45 minutes or less. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week. You can pick two, three, or four recipes, meaning that there is an option for every family schedule. And Blue Apron only sends non-GMO ingredients. The meat has no hormones. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card, and all of the ingredients are pre-portioned, which is good stuff all around. Blue Apron's freshest guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook, or they are going to make that right for you. The Blue Apron menu changes every week based on what's in season, and upcoming meals include baked tilapia and creamy kale with fragola sada pasta, sheet pan roasted pork with four full vegetables and creamy maple mustard. What about creamy, well, what's the creamy? Creamy tomato pasta with mushroom and collard greens. It is creamy season as we are in the winter. Keep those meals, keeping you nice and full. It's going to be good, nice hot stuff. Mm, sounds great. Can't wait to get some of that food. Oh, sounds so good. Blue Apron is treating... Our listeners, of course, to their first dinner. It's just a $30 value because that's what you get off your first delivery with free shipping. That is $30 off your first delivery with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash cortex right now. Check out this week's menu and get that $30 off with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash cortex. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I want to call out a little bit of a, a, little bit of a subcategory here in productivity mm-hmm. that, that I think we can maybe end on and then maybe do like a lightning round afterward but yep i think there's there's like communications as a concept is something that i didn't have uh in the 2014 one Lo- a long time ago when <laughs> i didn't talk to anyone <laughs> yeah, like it, it is it is no joke but it was a thing that i was so aware of which is what i'm gonna say is personally for me you know it's communications is a very hard aspect of my working life. Uh, it, it's not a thing that I am good at and it is not a thing that I manage well. And it, it was something looking over the, the 2014 state of the apps. I did have this little bit of wistfulness of like, Oh, that past gray. 
he he just got to be on his own all day long. Like he didn't have to work with anybody, you know. And, and now there's like this orbit of people that I do work with, and it's like I'm just not very good at communications. Um, but so now I, f- I feel like I'm I'm always I'm always sort of juggling communication systems or like trying to figure out how to make them work. And and the biggest change in communications, particularly over the last year, uh, is the presence of Slack in my life now. Uh, like Slack has just taken over so much. And mm-hmm. when I, when I first, when I first started using Slack, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like this is a million times better than email. Uh, but what was really the case is it's just, there were so much fewer things coming through Slack than at email. And as as Slack has spread over time and I've slowly started working with more and more people in Slack and also end up being signed up to more Slacks, I'm very aware that like in the space of a year or maybe 18 months, I've gone from, oh, Slack is my communication salvation to I feel deeply ambivalent about Slack because now when I open up, it's just like I find it hard to manage uh but also recognize that this this like email has now become a, a like a business communication tool that is so firmly entrenched i i can't imagine that it's going anywhere yeah i don't know if i feel exactly the same as you but i feel there are some things where i'm similar where like i i hang out in slack way less than i used to but i'm still yeah. there all the time because it's where the business is happening with the people that i work with like Slack is kind of more akin to the office now. Like it's where my coworkers are. Right. And there is still like a water cooler that people can go and chat in. Mm-hmm. But I think I spend less time actually doing the chatting now. I still listen, but I don't mm-hmm. chat as much just because I don't know why actually, but it's there's just a lot. Every single Slack that I'm in basically, it, it tends to be quite a lot of noise and mm. It can be harder to keep up with as time goes on and more and more people join. Yeah, I think there there definitely is a a function that there's like um it, it's like all communication channels trend towards memes eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what just happens is and like nobody means for it to happen. And of course, like the reason it happens is because it's funny and it's easy, but the, but it does make things just really noisy and if you if you're like if if you're like me i i feel like my goal with slack is always i want to open it up i want to get a bunch of stuff done and i want to go um that tendency towards noise uh makes it harder to work with uh sometimes and and slack you know in a bunch of different slacks than many you do have the problem where it's like the urgent flag on emails when like the other person gets to decide how urgent a thing really is. Like Slack can be that way a little bit where it's like other people are deciding that a thing is really urgent uh, for everybody to have to hear about right now. And like maybe everybody disagrees on how urgent that thing actually is. Um, so I, I feel like I'm going to be using Slack for forever. Uh, I, I really couldn't run my business the way I do now without having a gray industry Slack. Like it, I just I can't imagine doing it any other way uh but i i do find myself uh thinking about it more ambivalently as a tool as time has gone on yeah um 
I think, as you say, it's it's kind of normal, right? Like it's, I, I think most yeah. of the communication tools that I've used in the past, I've eventually felt like I wanted to move away from. And, yeah. and then new it's, ones It's like social up. networks in yeah. a way, right? That's what it's I'm like, thinking uh, of exactly. Yeah. It's like social networks. Eventually, yeah. I always want to find a replacement for this, which is better than the current one. I like, and, yeah. and I think Slack is finally, finally going that way. Like Slack was the replacement for uh, work email for me which is amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy that happened. But now I'm like, what is the replacement for Slack? <laughs> there isn't one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that and it, it is it is fascinating though where it's like, you know, we we've talked about email on this show very many times and I am aware that in, in my life in all realistic ways, it's almost like email has completely disappeared for me. It's like I almost never even open email and I almost never look at it because again, 95% of what is important and matters is coming to me through Slack. So Slack has just absorbed all of that. <laughs> yeah. Which which I never would have expected. So do you want to do a do you want to do a lightning round? Okay, yeah. How are we going to do this? I don't understand these rules. Do you want to just do one? I say one, you say one, and then we'll just Okay, sure. Go. Quick. You say like, one. We have a little explanation. Pick one. What do you like? All right. One password because it's where all the passwords go. And I now have like team <laughs> stuff set up and it's awesome. Numbers. I absolutely love it as a spreadsheet because it is less powerful than Excel, but a million times more beautiful than Excel. And the way you can arrange tables just fits with my brain better. So numbers is where all my spreadsheets live. Uh, in a similar vein, I love numbers for stuff that's just for me. But if anybody else is involved, it's Google Docs and Google Sheets. Um nobody has collaboration tools like Google does and the docs and sheets programs are the best in class, even if they can be frustrating. Yeah. 100%. Nobody does collaboration like Google. Uh, next one up, I, I got to give all credit to Federico Vatici for recommending this to me, which is a service, uh, brain.fm, which is, uh, yeah. I'm going to say music, but not exactly music to listen to while you're working. I listen to a single song on repeat a lot whenever when I'm writing, but Brain.fm, I really like bringing this into my life because sometimes I don't have a song that I'm listening to on repeat, and now Brain.fm is is a is an easy decision to just be like, I don't know what song I'm going to listen to. I'm just going to open Brain.fm and and just let it play, and I I love it. It's um it's a great addition to the background sounds in my life. Airmail. Oh, airmail. It's my email app. It's my favorite email app, even though it upsets people. I love it. Last one for me. I'm going to mention anti-RSI, which I was still using in 2014. If you're on a Mac all day, you want a computer to remind you to take little breaks so that you can try to manage your RSI. And anti-RSI is still the one that I like the best. I think it's the simplest and it does the best job of reminding you to take little breaks and to take big breaks at regular intervals. If you're on a Mac all day. I'm just saying, yeah, if you're on a Mac all day. What happened to you? It's, uh, are we talking about me? I'm talking to the people. Mm. And last one I'm going to recommend is a tool that very few people are going to need, but I do use it and love it. And it's called Pipe Drive, and it's like a sales management tool. Oh God, I can't. That sounds, that sounds very businessy. It is incredible. It's the most businessy app that I use. <laughs> it's like a contact relationship management tool and like a sales funnel tool. We used oh, to use God. we used to use Trello for this. And we uh -huh. outgrew Trello. Um, we needed some more specific features, like having the ability to add people's contact information to the deals that we were doing um, right. and needing multiple people to have better access over it. So we use a tool called Pipedrive. Um, it is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most businessy thing that I use. 
I almost feel a little bit uncomfortable every time I open it. <laughs> sales funnels. Everybody loves sales funnels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so next up is uh, writing. This, this is the exciting part. So what writing tools are you using now? Okay. Huge change. I absolutely love. Uh, my main writing app now is Ulysses. And <sighs> Ulysses is just amazing. And it took me a really long time to get into it. Uh, because it has a very, very different way of organizing what you're working on. And it was it was that different method that kept me away from it for a long time where I thought, like, I don't need your rethinking of how writing on pages works, Ulysses. Uh, but they are totally right. And they have this concept where you don't have pages. They have these little things that are called sheets. And a sheet can be as long or as short as you want it to be. But the killer feature is you can glue a bunch of sheets together so that it looks like it's a page, but it remains easy to rearrange. So in, in a practical example, like right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on another Q&A script, like a, for a Q&A video. And so I can have each question and answer be a single sheet and then it makes it really easy while I'm writing to just say oh you know what this question this actually works much better at the start and so I can just quickly like froop, drag it up rearrange it um, and it's it's so nice uh, plus they just have they have a million great features like it's it's markdown compatible but you can also export to anything that you want and you can write your own little custom styles for how things are going to be exported so like when i want to turn a script into something that i'm going to write on by hand i have my own custom uh, style to export it into pdf uh it's it's so nice it's it's so great oh you can have different um different formatting for the or different coloring for the way you want text to be so you can say like oh these two uh characters are going to mark off that this text is going to be in pink right or this text is going to be underlined and you can you can start building up a system for yourself about how you want to work like it's it's really really fantastic i feel like i can't say enough good things about ulysses and i'm, I'm always coming up with uh more ways to use it i have used it it mm-hmm. is very good it's too much for me it, it can it can definitely be a bit over overwhelming it makes me feel like I should be writing a novel. <laughs> yeah, it does have a bias toward. Well, that's not that's not even fair, but it does it does maybe compel you to be working on bigger projects. Like it it feels like it could just be used for these huge things. Uh, and I don't even use all of the features because I'm 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 syncing it through Dropbox, which then only allows you to use a like a smaller number of their features. Uh, because if you're using it with iCloud, like you can do it like an endless number of things with Ulysses. It's it's really quite impressive. Um, actually, I'll give you I'll give you an example of a way I used it, which was totally unexpected, but is a side effect of of organizing in sheets. And okay, so I've been I've been playing around with another vlog for my channel, which may or may not ever get released. I don't know. It's it's a big. <laughs> It's a big mess. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mike's laughing now because he's been hearing about this for like months. Uh, 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was I was working on it, and I felt like I I'm at like a logjam point here, like nothing is really working. But what I w- what I got the idea to do was in Ulysses, I actually ended up writing out a bunch of the different parts of the vlog and using their color coding to represent different things. So I could say, okay, let me let me type out what I'm saying in the vlog at this point. And if it's pink, that means it's audio that re- was recorded uh, live on 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 location. And if it's green, here's something that I want like future gray to be saying. And if it's blue, here's something that somebody else was saying. And then if it's like another color, it's an indication of what's going to happen in the scene. My word. Yeah, well, it was it was an interesting thing to do because I, like I wrote it out, which one just made me think a little bit more about what the structure is going to be. But then because you have these sheets, it's like each sheet was like a little subsection of a of a scene. And it ended up being a situation where I realized, oh, this is this is much easier to think about the vlog at a very high level because now I can rearrange where these things go without just having to watch a whole bunch of footage over and over again that maybe I'll use or maybe I won't use. So it, it just ended up being like, oh, this is this is turned into a text-based storyboarding tool. Hmm. Uh, so it was it was just it was an interesting thing to have done. And it really helped me a couple of weeks ago realize uh, a bunch of stuff that doesn't need to be included and a couple of things that that should go in different spots. Like it's much more obvious looking at it that way. So uh, even if you're not writing, there may be other places where the ability to rearrange text is very valuable. And so Ulysses uh, is just like that is its real that's its that is its real strong suit for any type of writing that I do which is like longer than a message to someone. Uh, I'm probably, or if it's not going in notes, and I'm going to get to notes later for what its purpose is. Um, for me, it would be Bear is where I do this type of oh, stuff. Bear is great. Yeah, Bear is a really, really nice app that does a great job with like Markdown. So if I'm writing like a blog post or something like that, then it would go in Bear. It's, it's really, really nice for it. And I, I have used their organizational features. They have a great tagging system and stuff like that. Um, I haven't gone too deep into that because I started doing it and then realized that I never, ever needed it. Like I never, I was I was tagging everything I was writing in Bear, then realizing that I just never needed the tags mm-hmm. because yeah. I could just search if I needed anything. Um, and that wasn't such a, for me, it wasn't a system where I was like needed to catalog things as such so i kind of realized that it just made sense for me to open it write the note that i need and then move away but like i really really like bear i I think it's a very nice app that is going through a lot of great revisions they're adding new features very frequently um i'm a big fan of it sort of like how slack amoeba like ate all of my email bear has eaten all of the random text files in random folders everywhere in my system uh, so like I used to have just in different places, like lists of things, or here's, here's a note about this. And I, I, I realized the same thing. It's like, I'm just going to keep all of this in bear. And if it's a list of anything or a note on almost anything, I can just search for it in bear fast enough and pull it up. And I, I really like it. It's a great app. It's a really beautifully designed app as well. And it syncs quickly and, and reliably. So yeah, I have a, I have a ton of stuff in bear and I, I highly recommend it as well. 
And then, obviously, I use my Apple Pencil to, to take notes every now and then. And there are two apps that I really like to do that with, and it's Good Notes and Notability. Um, I kind of use them both for different things. Um, I find hmm. Good Notes to be really good for marking up PDFs and stuff like that. But if I'm taking notes, um, I actually prefer Notability for it. In the past, hmm. at least initially, I found Notability's Apple Pencil uh, support to be better. Um, I really like the way you can move things around. And it's also good notes sometimes overwhelms me with how much it does. And notability feels much more focused when I'm in it. Hmm. It's, it's funny. I feel like I feel the exact reverse. I feel like notability has all of this stuff and good notes is relatively <laughs> straightforward. <laughs> but I, I think it's also just like I have spent an enormous amount of time in good notes. Like I, yeah. I really like that. You know that at back and front, like it was in the 2014 list. Yeah, that, yeah, that was surprising to see. I didn't yeah. even realize it was it was that old. So I, I think that is a case of of like long time familiarity with the app has just made it to me like it's a it's it's indistinguishable from using a legal pad and a pen for me at this point. So I, I absolutely love Good Notes and I, I really like it. That's all I have for writing. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, I mean, you know, this is, this is where I could like I can just mention Evernote. It's sort of like you know still there that goes in the writing column well you know i use it for research and stuff it's just like there i mean if we if we're (laughs) shuffling into research i would throw notes in for me this is where i Mm -hmm. um i put all of the links and all of the articles and all of the kind of the thoughts and notes that i have for the shows that i do um Mm -hmm. as i'm just going through the week and then either the day before or the day of the show that's recording i will then go into google docs and transfer that stuff out and plan out the shows in more depth but everything that i'm saving in the weeks between each show is all going into the apple notes app um it's Hmm. a very good app uh it got a little bit flaky not flaky it got a little bit weird in some places in ios 11 with the way that it saves some links that you put into it but i never have data loss and you know it's not that kind of weirdness it's just sometimes things move around in a strange way um but the the share extensions and all that stuff remain completely rock solid for me um and i love it bear has a really fantastic share extension too uh but it can get it can get kind of weird with sync conflicts so i try and Mm. not put put stuff like that in it Hmm. hmm interesting yeah i'm still using notes in the in the way i described a while back which is like just as a place to jot down stuff that i'll figure out later where it goes so notes is is a very temporary place for me and and bear is the place where structured long-term lists live like if like if i'm thinking about something for cortex i'll often write it down in bear and then transfer it over to the google doc later okay so it's a similar usage really Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so video production (laughs) i mean all i have to say on this is final cut yeah I have Final Cut to say as well, but I do, I feel like I need to get something on the record with Final Cut, which is that this year I did, I did make an attempt to learn Adobe Premiere. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time where you were threatening to move to audition on me. Yeah. I was, I was investigating the Adobe suite and I sunk a lot of hours into learning Premiere and I got to the point where I could put together a video in, in Premiere. Like I got far enough along and I, I just, I felt like this is not for me. I don't like Premiere. I don't like the way it works. Uh, Final Cut Pro just works with my brain. And 
I'm really glad I put in all of those hours with Premiere because I, I feel like I feel like I appreciate Final Cut Pro so much more. Like I appreciate it a hundred times more after using Premiere than I did before. So I, I feel like Final Cut, you're amazing. I'm sorry I looked elsewhere for a little while. You're the only like, one I'm, for me. I'm I back. promise. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like you're the only one for me. Uh, all of your features that are amazing, I was just taking for granted. And like I, I, I super appreciate Final Cut Pro. Um, I may hold it up as as one of the the best applications on any platform that Apple has ever made. All right, made. all right, you're like, overselling it now. No, it's it's no, gonna it's forgive fantastic. you. It's okay. <laughs> I don't, no, no, I don't need forgiveness. Like we're getting along just great. Um, but yeah, so I not only do I use Final Cut Pro, I really love Final Cut Pro. <laughs> now, I mean, what about animation tools? Do you still use any? So at this point, everything that was my animation tool creation stuff, like that has essentially 98% been outsourced at this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm working with my animator and he is doing essentially all of the animation at, at this stage. So a lot of my concerns about vector tools on, on different platforms uh, they just they just do not exist as concerns anymore for me, which which is a huge actually quality of life improvement. Yeah, uh, not not having to worry about that stuff. So, is there anything else in the video production category? So, there's only one other thing in the video production category that I'll recommend, which is an iPhone app called Filmic Pro, uh, which is if you're ever going to try to be shooting video, say you're trying to walk down a street in Las Vegas and you want to film a montage. Uh, this is a little, a little manual camera app, a video camera app for the phone, which just has, it has a million features, but there's really only two things that I use in it that I really like. Uh, and it's the ability to, to set a point on the screen for where you want the focus and where you want the exposure to be set. So you can say, like, I'm walking down the street, but I want the focus to be on the sidewalk, but I want the exposure to be set against the sky, right? So you can manually say, this is how it's supposed to look. Whereas with the regular iPhone camera, like, the iPhone does a great job of automatically figuring it out for you, but sometimes you do want to be able to manually set that. And then the other thing that I like, which is just a little detail, but with Filmic Pro, you can tell it which microphone it should be recording the audio from, and... Uh, just as a little trick, like for a lot of Las Vegas stuff and, and for some vlog stuff, you can tell it to use the microphone uh, that is facing you while you're recording the stuff that's in front oh, of you. Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really great. And you can save it as a little preset so you can open up Filmic Pro. And so it will be using the microphone at the bottom of the phone to record you talking while you're looking at the screen and filming the thing that you're looking at. Uh, so uh, I, I really like that if you're just trying to capture any kind of video uh, on your phone and, and that's the thing that you're using. So hi- highly recommend it. It's a great little app. It's a pro tip. It's it's an app recommendation. What about reading? I have absolutely zero in this category. <laughs> well, you don't read. Mike. Exactly. So I will have no reading recommendation. Uh, I, I mean, I'll recommend uh, the Kindle. Is the Kindle an app? It's a physical device? Is this too far? Is that state well, of the app? the Kindle is an app. Are you recommending the Kindle app? Well, I mean, I'll recommend the, I'll recommend the Kindle app if you have to. 
I'll, I'll recommend a physical Kindle as better now that they've fixed all of their software problems. And uh, if you install the Kindle app on your phone, I recommend that you create a workflow to launch it so that you don't have to look at its icon, which is improved, but still not good. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll recommend Kindle in, in terms of reading. Oh, oh, and of course, um, I'll still recommend Instapaper for articles and stuff. Like if I'm saving articles, I'll, I'll still throw them into Instapaper. So th- those are the, the reading apps that I use. Okay. Was reading a category on my old? Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> That's what funny. was in the, the in the original was Instapaper and Kindle. So you're a you're a creature of habit. Well, I think I think I think what actually happened is we went so we went far away and then came back. Right, it was so long that we've actually gone. Oh uh, yeah, because you've occurred. definitely used other stuff, right? A bit you had a pocket phase and you had an I iBooks had pocket, phase. I had a pocket phase and the iBooks phase wasn't a phase. iBooks phase iBooks was a was a state of life for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it may actually be that like right after I wrote that article, I switched away from Kindle and I have only just <laughs> recently switched back. <laughs> also, you can't recommend the physical Kindle for fear that this ends up becoming a gift guide episode. You have to be real careful. We have to like skirt around the gift guide. Yeah, no, it's not a gift guide. Not a gift guide. It's the state of the apps. But a Kindle would make a fantastic Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, it's not a gift guide, but I will recommend this for one gift. It's I don't think one <laughs> gift is a guide. No, it's not. No. Watching is the next category. Oh, what, why did I have watching as a category? What, what was past me thinking about? I don't get this. I think we're just going to roll this up into media, right? For some reason, you included Feedly and Pocket in your watching, which seemed like strange, oh, really strange yes. recommendations. I remember that. Because one is an RSS reading app, and one is a Read It Later app. No, I, but here, here's what I was doing, Mike. I was... I was trying to force the YouTube subscription service into being the way I wanted it to be. So I was pulling RSS feeds for YouTube channels and then dumping them in a separate app so that I would get all the videos in the mm-hmm. order and organization that I wanted. That's what I used to be doing. Uh, but I think you clearly. can't do that anymore because YouTube doesn't even have RSS feeds for channels. I think they got rid of that. That sounds right. I don't right. know if it even still exists. Yeah, because but... why would you set up your own RSS feed? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's all gone. Um. I mean, obviously, I recommend YouTube, but I don't think I need to recommend that to anybody. It's like recommending Netflix. Like, yeah, <laughs> they've got some great shows. Have you ever heard of smartphones? Uh, I think yeah. that you might like them. Um. I use an app on my iPad called N Player. Hmm. What I use this for, N Player, is a really great way to uh get to to be able to get videos onto an iPad and have a place to watch them in. Mm-hmm. So. I'll give you an example. Um, we do not have YouTube Red in the UK. Yeah, very frustrating. So if there is a YouTube video, like a, there are some videos that I watch that are multiple hours in length and I would like to have them on a plane. Like I watch some like Lex plays and stuff like that and some game streams that sometimes I, I like to watch them when I'm on a plane instead. Um, I use uh, Workflow to download the YouTube video. Ah, uh, okay, right. And then I save it out to Endplayer. That's clever. That's clever. And so that's that's a good way of doing it. I actually don't know if I can share the YouTube workflow. They exist on the internet. I, yeah, I don't think you, you should do that. You Mike. can find them potentially, uh, but that's something that I do. Well, there is a way to fix this, YouTube. Just give <laughs> yeah. me YouTube Red. Like, yeah. you are the one who controls this. Just give me it. Um, but yeah. they won't. I wish they would, but they won't. Because I get teased every time I go to the US, right? 
and I open the YouTube app. It's like, hey, sign up. And they put download buttons and everything. So this is pointless because I can't. Just because I'm in this country, I can't start just using YouTube Red now. I had a YouTube Red account on a, a YouTube account that is mine that is in the U.S. So for a while, I was enjoying all the benefits of YouTube Red in the U.K., but eventually they cracked down on that. They're yeah. like, oh, no. No, is, we, we know you're paying us money. We know this is a U.S. bank and account, but you, sir, are not on a vacation. You are clearly just <laughs> living in another country. So, no. <laughs> Netflix did the same thing. <laughs> so disappointing. Yeah. Today's episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code Cortex at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create the website that you need for your next idea to blossom. With a unique domain name, award-winning templates, fantastic 24-7 customer support, and so much more, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you put online whatever it is you want to be out there. Whether you want to create a blog, portfolio, an online store, a site for your business, a site for your band, even just a website to talk about your favorite apps, Squarespace have got everything you need. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. No upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace have got you covered. Just get Squarespace. Nothing to worry about. All of their templates are beautiful. It's super easy to customize stuff. You can drag and drop and choose from drop downs. It's super easy. It's so easy even I can do it. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can sign up for a trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. Then when you sign up, use the offer code Cortex and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. We thank Squarespace for their continued support of Cortex and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Listening. I feel like we need a little disclaimer here Mm -hmm. because I'm about to recommend Overcast as the only podcast app that you should use. But I feel like we need to say, like, we know Marco, uh, who makes Overcast. Uh, so just need to need to put that on the record there. But I really do think Overcast is is the best podcast app. And it's it's largely because of, of the two things. Like, it's the smart speed feature, which cuts out a lot of the uh, gaps in less edited podcasts. And it is also... It's also that whatever Marco has done with the low-level audio stuff, no podcast app makes speeded up audio sound better than Overcast. Um, so th- that's one of the main reasons why I, I really, really recommend it is you can listen to a podcast on a higher speed and it doesn't have as many of the artifacts or, or weirdness uh, that other, other speeded-up systems use. Exactly. I mean, the the reason I use Overcast is because of smart speed, which is the silence shortening. I don't listen mm. to podcasts at like 1.5 or 2x. I just let Overcast just use its rubber banding to make things faster and, and where it needs to. Um, and it's that is the feature, right? Like, it doesn't matter how many other apps there are. It doesn't matter if like, oh, that design's really pretty or whatever, as there are a bunch of apps that are like that. It doesn't matter, like, because they don't have smart speed in the way that I like it. Other apps have silent stripping, but I've tried it, and just to my ears, it just doesn't sound as good. It's close, mm-hmm. but not good enough, and it's not good enough to make me want to move. And I, one of my other favorite features about Overcast is the black theme because mm. I have an iPhone 10, so uh, black themes where it's like all black look amazing because of the OLED screen. So I like that a lot. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I use Overcast. But then, as Grace said, uh, the developer Marco is a friend. And that always helps, but Overcast is really good. 
I mean, I know a lot of people use it, and they're not all friends of Marco. So, you know, there you go. What you can do. I don't know. That guy's pretty popular. <laughs> Travel. Ugh. Travel makes me sad because you could you could write that on your tombstone. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah. In, in very many levels, but I, I just realized I totally forgot the name of that app that everybody was using to track flights. That was then bought by a company mm-hmm. that then withered and died. Mm-hmm. Do you know? You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, because everybody was it's talking in your about. list here. Flight Track Five. Is is that what it was? It okay, was Flight Track. Right. Yeah, Flight Track was the app. Yeah, it was so good, and <sighs> nothing has ever replaced it. And I, I like when that thing disappeared. I swear to God, I was reaching out to everyone I knew to be like, "What are you using to track your flights?" Right, like. like people people on the edge of my contact network i was like what are you using to track flights tell me what you're using like hoping hoping that somehow someone would have discovered some like gem in the in the in the wilderness that i hadn't stumbled upon uh but there was a really long period where flight tracking apps were just not not up to speed um but my recommendation in this category i finally found one that's that's pretty good it's not perfect uh, I do sometimes have notifications about flights that don't seem quite right, uh, but the de- I always just forward those to the developer, and he seems really active about trying to like wrinkle out all the the final little bugs. But I, I'm using Flight Logger, and I I really like it um, because flight tracking apps have this this delicate balance that they have to play of like there's a lot of information. Like, how are you going to display that information? Um, and I, I think Flight Logger makes, for me, the the design decisions in that trade-off that are, are pretty good. Uh, so that that's the one that in the past, I'm going to say in the past six months, I've, I've really settled on as, okay, this is going to be the flight tracker for me every time I'm, I'm traveling. What are you using, Mike? I use two. Use two, uh-oh. I use two. I use Flight Logger. And I really like okay. Flight Logger, but I need to say they have been a sponsor in the past oh, of some okay. of my shows. So I, I use Flight Logger because I like its simplicity. But then I also use an app called App in the Air, oh, which God. has a lot of information, but too much. And most of the time I don't want it, but there have been times when I do want that amount of information. The problem with App in the Air is that sometimes it's too busy and it's pretty expensive. Like they have like, I think it's like $5 a month or like $30 a year. I mean, okay, like I'm comparing it when I say expensive to what apps cost, right? Like yeah, the, yeah. You know. In Appland, that's pretty expensive. In Appland, but but I do really like it. Um, but I like to use, I use them in conjunction. Every time I get on a plane, I put them into both apps. So if I just want to find out like what time am I taking off, then I'll just open Flight Logger and just find that out. But if I want to get like, what type of plane do I have? Will I have Wi-Fi? Are there lounges in that airport? Like App in the Air has all of that ancillary ancillary information. And I would say, Gray, if you haven't used it in a while, they redesigned the app a little while ago and it Mm. got a lot better. It got way. It used to be really okay. pushy about certain things. Yeah, like the thing I'll just say is okay. So maybe the redesign happened, but the reason I I stopped using App in the Air is I've never felt this way about an app. But I felt like I was getting bullied by App in the Air. Like it was so yeah, very insistent aggressive. on the things they wanted me to do, and 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 also just like 
they really wanted the passwords to my email accounts to do stuff that I didn't really care about them doing. And it was so pushy. I felt like, I feel like I'm getting bullied by you. Yeah, you app. can like, turn a lot ridiculous. of that off now. Like, it's way, okay. way better for a lot. I would recommend you just try it out again just to see. Okay, I can t- I'll take a look at it again and see. Yeah. So, yeah, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about games? Well, you always want to talk about games, Mike. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. I love games. I wanted to talk about games last time, but it just made you sad. <laughs> Should we talk about Mario Odyssey? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about Mario Odyssey. Okay, all right. No, we not don't have with to you about anyway. <laughs> with anybody else, but not with yeah. Me. <laughs> there's other people I talk about Mario Odyssey with, but not with you. <laughs> um, Flip Flop Solitaire is probably my favorite ios game this year it is like a really weird solitaire game i've always liked solitaire games you know but i've never mm-hmm. been like incredible at solitaire this is a it's, this is difficult to describe i think but flip-flop solitaire lets you go in both directions so with solitaire you would usually go for example starting at the top like 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 right like you would go down right you go down with ace being one but in flip-flop solitaire, you can stack in both directions. Hmm. So you could have a 10 card, right? And you could okay. put on that 10 card either a 9 or a jack. Oh, okay. So you can go up or down, you right? You can go up Got or it. down. I mean, eventually you have to try and still put all the cards away. But it, it is an easier way to move the cards around because you can put them everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's... I recommend people just try it. It's a fantastic game. I really, really love it. It's my favorite game this year that's kind of been added to my games folder. And my games folder contains like my all-time favorite iOS games. And Flip Flop Solitaire has very quickly become one of those. What that makes me think of is um, a game I I didn't play a lot of, but I did really enjoy was... uh, Oh, God, what the heck is it called? I just need to look it up to get the name right. Really Bad Chess. I don't know if you played this or not. It's made by the same person. Oh, okay. Well, then that that makes sense. Yeah, they're both of these games are made by Zach Gage. Okay, right there we go. Yep. Uh, but uh, like, I I I had fun with really bad chess. The, the premise there is I used to play chess a lot when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I was on the like a nerd you? on the chess team kind of. You nerd. played yeah, shocking. chess when you were a kid. Come on. Yeah, totally surprising. <laughs> but w- one of the things that happened with me when I was playing chess is when I started getting better at the game the game became deadly boring to me because you realize like oh the first part of the game is about openings and it's always the same and then the interesting part of the game is only when it um, you start getting into unknown situations later and really bad chess is super fun because it starts out with the beginning locations of all your pieces are just randomized and it just it made the game just it made chess fun to play again and I think it's it's the same thing like what you're talking about with Flip Flop Solitaire where the the designer is tweaking the rules of the game to make the game more fun to play. Yep. And uh, so like I, I really enjoyed really bad chess. And like if, if you have ever played chess and left it behind, this is at the very least you will have an enjoyable afternoon playing really bad chess. Uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um so what games have you been enjoying? Are they recent? Are they old? Here's the thing when I was thinking about games this time, because my, my old article, it's like, oh, I have I have a bunch of games to recommend people that are recent games. But I I tend to go in phases in and out of games where it's like I play a lot in a condensed period of time and then I go for a while and I don't play very much. 
And I feel like there's a there's a bigger meta cycle that has happened in my life, which is that this year has been a relatively low gaming year for me overall. So I feel like I don't have an enormous number of games that came in. Like I you know I did get the Switch. So I'm just I'm going to just mention three because I mentioned them before, so I can do it very quickly. But I have come to think of these games as my holy trinity of games. Uh, these are the games that have stuck with me the longest that I have played the most and that have three very distinct roles in my life. Can you guess what the first one is, Mike? Mm. <laughs> what might it be? Hmm. It's truck simulator game. Oh, right? That's... <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yes. Sorry. I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Right. We've talked about it a million times. Uh, truck simulator, American truck simulator in particular. Absolutely love it. And that is my brain dead game. It's, it's great. Many, right. many hours. Yeah, see, I was, I was thinking about iOS and obviously uh, there's no help there. No, there's no help there. No. I have a very, very good Mac gaming rig. Uh, <laughs> but then on top of that, I mentioned them before, but I'll just mention them now again. Uh, Factorio and RimWorld are the two other games that I absolutely mm-hmm. like. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've any, heard ever, ever anybody use the phrase absolutely like. Yeah. <laughs> no one says that. You absolutely uh, yeah, love I'm... something or you like it. You don't absolutely like it. <laughs> I guess I do absolutely like these games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I absolutely don't mind them. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying yourself over there. <laughs> This is what happens on podcasts, right? When you're talking instead of writing, right? Like these things that come out and you're like, why am I saying this? I have no idea. Thanks, but Brain, the, for the assembling is, that though, sentence. Absolutely like is a phrase that I can imagine you using. Right. Well, I'm gonna use it for, I'm gonna use it now, right mm-hmm. now, now that it's come into existence. Right. <laughs> um but yeah, I I would describe Rimworld as Stardew Valley, except fun. Ugh, That's the way I would out. describe Rimworld. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> and factorio is a game where if you have any any programmer inclinations at all factorio might be dangerous for you to try uh but it is it is deeply deeply involving and they've just put out a new version in time for christmas which i'm i'm really really trying to prevent myself from even looking at until i have finished all the work that i need to do until christmas season arrives because as soon as i open that up it's like okay well here go here go a bunch of hours but uh, those have been the stable three Holy Trinity games for me for a long time now, and I just I think they are just great, solid games uh, in in very different areas. So I just I really like them, and I don't I don't have a bunch of uh, new recommendations this year, so I'm just going to re recommend those. I am going to give you a very quick, super quick, just give you the names of my iOS gaming Hall of Fame mm-hmm. threes. Alto's Adventure, Stagehand, Domino Drop, and Mini Metro. They are my favorite. They are my favorite iOS games of all time. And Flip Flop Solitaire joins them. Like they are the games that I always keep installed on my iPhone. Um, they are perfect iPhone games. Yeah, Alto's Adventure. I can definitely recommend. Uh, uh, that's really fun and and beautiful. Like the art style yep. in Alto's Adventure is great. And Mini Metro. I never played it on iOS. I played it when it came out on on Steam when it was in early access. And that that is, I think that's a great example of a game that is simple, 
but involving. And one of the things that I really like about Mini Metro is it's it's a game where you always lose, but you don't mind. It's very Tetris-like, like the complexity just keeps scaling up and you're doing a very simple thing and you're always going to lose. It's just a question about how, how long can you go on before you lose. Uh, so yeah, I'm also going to really recommend Mini Metro. So there are a couple of categories that I think we could condense into miscellaneous. Yeah, I think we can do a lightning-ish round mm-hmm. in miscellaneous. All right, you go first. I'm going to mention the last service, I think, which is Dropbox. Uh, oh, as yeah. a miscellaneous one. You know, yeah. I kind of forget, um, like, because it's just there. Yeah, it's it's just there. Uh, but Dropbox is the file system for me for everything. And it's it's the way that I keep my work managed across different devices, different operating systems. Uh, it's, it's the absolutely vital underpinning of almost everything I do. And uh, I upgraded to Dropbox Business this year so that I could use their new features like selective, um, or sorry, not selective syncing, but the thing where you can have... Infinite? What is it called? It's what was yeah, originally it, called Infinite, it, but they gave here's it the a problem. new name. It was originally called Dropbox Infinite, which is an amazing name. And then they changed it to something else, and I can never remember what the new name is because it's boring. Um, but it, it is Dropbox's version of what iCloud Drive tries to do, which is like we can show you all your files, and then we'll just download them as needed. Uh, except unlike iCloud Drive, which is terrible and caused me an enormous number of frustrating problems when I went to use is it. Is this SmartSync? Uh, no, because SmartSync is the thing that just hides the folders. No, that's it's Selective not, not... Sync. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it's, it is either Smart or Selective Sync. Yeah, I think it's SmartSync because it says on the website, access every file in your Dropbox right from your desktop using very little hard disk space. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Here it is. It's SmartSync. Um, but it is great to be able to designate a folder as to say, like, this folder always has to be on the computer and up to date. And then this other folder, you can push it to the cloud. And if I ever need to access it, just download it as fast as you can. And also uh, in the theme of communicating with lots of other people, you know, Dropbox, I have, you know, shared folders with like 10 people yep. on various things. Uh, just so vital. And to give you an indication of just how vital it is, my Dropbox folder, if I, op- or if I open it up now, okay, my Dropbox is 73.6% full on a 15 terabyte Dropbox account. What? So I, am using, what? I am using a lot of Dropbox. Are you storing the internet in there? What are you doing? And that's that's uh, huge. That smart sync is pretty vital. <laughs> I mean, I, as somebody who has a shared Dropbox folder with you, I am very yeah. aware of the fact that you don't like to delete anything ever. And there is like some some pretty severe uh, selective syncing that we have to do. Otherwise, uh, oh, see, like, no, no, but see, for, here's the thing. I don't do any selective syncing because with the Dropbox business thing, like the Cortex stuff is all just there and I never even look yeah, at it. Yeah, well, I have to because I don't have that feature. <laughs> yeah. I, I pay for the one of the paid plans, but I don't have the business plans. The nice thing with the business plan thing is that I, I select Cortex as a file, which is just pushed into the cloud. So all of the Cortex stuff is in the cloud, but I can also say... If something new pops up, so like when we're done when we're done recording this show, 
have the new thing sync locally as quickly as you can. So I only ever have the new ones on the, the computer locally. And then the rest of it, like I just never even look at it. And it just, it, it just exists wherever the Dropbox data stores are. Probably, you know, in an NSA facility somewhere. But sure. uh, it's like, whatever, <laughs> it works great and I need it. So that's, that's, what's, what, that's what it's going to be. But yeah, I'm sitting on a, on a 15 terabyte Dropbox account. <laughs> and you're like 10 terabytes into it. Uh, yeah, it's whatever 73.6% wow. of 15 terabytes is. Wow. Okay. So that's a pretty vital service for me. Let's hope the smart sync never breaks. And then just 10 terabytes of stuff tries to get pushed to you. Yeah. That'd be a fun afternoon. That's what iCloud Drive used to do. And exactly. Fuck them. Yeah. Well, you never know. Let's just hope that Dropbox have got it together. Yeah. I'm going to recommend one of my very, very, very favorite iOS apps, which is Carrot Weather. Oh, yeah, it's on my list. So good. So I good. love Carrot Weather. Um, it is by far the best weather app that I've ever used for customization and data. Plus, it has this fun um, character to it, which you can you can adjust whoever you want or don't want it. Um, but I kind of yep. like the jokes that it tells. But the Apple Watch app is just stupendous. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it is an app that is in continual development. And I thoroughly recommend it to anybody that cares about the weather. Yeah. It's it's the it's the no brainer choice for a weather app, and I turn that personality all the way down because yeah, I, I have no patience for that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's mine's great. in the middle. I just great. let it make jokes on the screen. It never bothers me with anything, which is a thing you can just. There's there's some space where they can just throw some jokes in, um, mm-hmm. and I like that the the developer has found a way to update those remotely, and so they're very frequently topical, which is fun, mm. which I enjoy. Mm. You enjoy that. I, yeah, I know. I know basically I'm really in the minority amongst my friends, but uh, I just let it do what it's doing. <laughs> I'm going to recommend next uh, MindNode, which is a mind mapping app, which is the app that I use to put together my thoughts on the list of apps for today. And it's interesting because we did a show a while ago where we both talked about how we don't really use mind maps. Mm-hmm. And and for me, that is still true 99% of the time. Like, I just don't feel like a mind map person. But every once in a while, uh, it feels like there's something I just kind of want to mind map out. I never really use those mind maps later, but there is something that every once in a while, I feel like this is the appropriate way to like think through a thing. Or for today, I decided to use the mind map because I figured it's a... It's going to be a more condensed way to show all of the information instead of having a list. So this way you, Mike, can just put a screenshot in the show notes and, and instead of having like a long list thing written out. Um, but if you're going to use uh, a mind map, I think MindNode is is the one to use. And uh, particularly on iOS, they have a couple of features that are just fantastic, which allow which allows you to act like you're typing a list, but have it go in mind map format automatically. So when you're on a branch and you're, you've written out the category title, like you just hit space three times and then it goes and creates a child branch. And when you're on that child branch and you're done typing, you just hit return three times and it creates a sibling branch. So there's, there's a really nice way if you're a very keyboard focused person like myself, it's a super fast mind mapping application to use. So I, I, I really like it. So I have an app that I wanted to recommend called Workouts Plus um, Plus, and this is a workout app. And I will say, like we said with Overcast, the developer of this app 
David is a friend of mine. And one of the reasons that I want to recommend it is because of that. Because he's a friend, I was helping him test swimming functionality that he was adding to the app. So I got to help tailor it to be the type of design that I want. So (laughs) it's kind of the perfect app for me when, when tracking my swims. So that's why I love it so much. It is a, a workout app, which is really best with the Apple Watch. You can create, there's like a bunch of like templates and you can adjust how you want the information to be shown during the workout. So like you can show your heart rate changes, you can show the laps, the time and all that kind of stuff. And you can do this with loads of different exercises. But it means that when I'm swimming, I get to see just the information that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Plus, Workouts Plus Plus has the ability for you to integrate podcasts into it. So you oh, can that's nice. listen to podcasts with your AirPods just from the watch. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, this only really works very well with workout applications because they have to be constantly running and that kind of stuff. But that yeah. has so, that Do you feature. put your AirPods in while you're swimming? Is that what uh, you do? No, I don't do that part. <laughs> but, but yes, I like to be able to uh, have my... When I'm swimming, I like to be able to see just the information that I want to see. And I found that Apple stuff, while still good, just didn't give me everything that I wanted. Um, and mm-hmm. Workouts Plus Plus does. And it's I think it's free, so it's worth at least trying out. Yeah, I'll also recommend that uh, if you want to hear David and Marco talk about their apps, they have a show on this very network, Under the Radar, which you should go listen to. It's very good. And you should put that in the show notes. Oh, of course I will. (laughs) So, uh, again, (laughs) two developers, they make two apps that we really like. Uh, Yes, they are friends, but they are good apps. And they also have a podcast together. And that podcast is on Relay FM. So, you know, just remember all of that. But both of these yeah. apps are free, so you've got nothing to lose when you try them. And then you'll know they're great. Uh, next thing I'm going to recommend is uh, this is a little tip that I picked up from uh, while we're talking about Relay people. Uh, Stephen Hackett, your co-founder, uh, he recommended to me at WWDC a feature of Chrome on the Mac, which I did not know, which I feel like is life-changing. And it's that Chrome has the ability to set up different user profiles so that you can in Chrome very easily switch between a set of logged in accounts. And let me tell you, as someone who's trying to run a YouTube channel and a couple of podcasts and my own personal life, Chrome, when I'm sitting in front of the Mac, is the browser that I'm using the vast majority of the time now. And it is solely because of this feature that I can say uh, very quickly switch between I am just me as a person and use and have this web browser logged into all of my personal accounts. And now I am officially CGP Grey, the YouTube person. So here's all of the accounts I need to be logged in for that. And the thing, the detail that makes this really, really great that Steven suggested is you can have different custom visual themes for these different profiles. So when I am logged into the most important accounts as the CGP Grey YouTube channel stuff, the whole Chrome web browser across the top is red. Right, so it is not possible to make a mistake about like which account am I logged into. Uh, I, I really, really love this feature. And if you're someone who is using a bunch of different sets of accounts or you're using a shared computer in a family, uh, the profiles feature on Chrome is, is amazing. I don't use that, but I do use Chrome. Um, 
but I know why that would be great if you were switching constantly. I mean, I just whenever I'm posting, I just use incognito mode and log in. But it's because I don't need that access all the time. But I can see why that would be so useful. Yeah, it, it's it's great because it keeps you logged in. Yeah. Like I used to log in and log out of all the stuff, but particularly with YouTube where when you log in on one account, they want to log you into a whole bunch of related services. It just, it makes a big, big difference. Gboard. <laughs> I use a third-party keyboard on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of people think this is a wild thing to do. There are downsides to it, but honestly, the upsides are fastly significant for me. Better autocorrect, better emoji suggestions and emoji search. I can get gifts from my keyboard and I can swipe type. Apple can't beat that, in my opinion. And I love Gboard and I've been using it as the only keyboard on my iPhone for a very long time now. I'm, I'm going to back up that recommendation. Uh, I started using Gboard a long time ago on my iPad because... I like swipe typing with the pencil, so I find it just easier than tr- like if I'm using the pencil on my iPad, I, I tend to want to use the pencil for everything and tapping out letters is really unpleasant to do with the pencil. Uh, so I started using Gboard on the iPad Pro so that I could use the swipe typing and I, I really like it. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of a bug with if you want to use a Dvorak keyboard layout with uh, the Gboard keyboard installed on an iPad, which is sort of frustrating. Uh, so I have to always switch back into the regular iOS keyboard to get that to work. Uh, but I, I really like it with the iPad, and I've been trying it on my phone the past couple of weeks, and I don't know if I'll, I'll keep it, but it's it's definitely worth trying. Although for for some reason, I find that the swipe typing with my thumb is taking a little while to get used to. It's it it's strange to do, but it is scary how good google is at guessing what you're what you're trying to type you say uh, scary so, i say really convenient <laughs> well well yeah what, what i mean what i mean scary though the, like a thing that happened today is I, I was swipe typing something and i realized i had done it totally wrong and i just thought i'm just gonna keep going and like go back to the letters that it was supposed yeah. to be so i i typed a seek typed in quotes a sequence which is just a nonsense sequence of word, of letters. Uh, but Google was able to get it. I'm like, oh, we know what you were trying to say. And, and that's the situation where it's, it's like, this is terrifyingly accurate uh, because my swiping was nonsense because I like changed my mind halfway through about what words I was trying to say. And like, you still did just fine. Uh, so again, I'm not sure it will stay, but I can definitely back up your recommendation that it is worth trying and it's interesting. I do want to recommend an app that I, I completely forgot I used until I had to set up uh, two new systems where I hadn't installed it, and that is OneBlocker, which is uh, one of the ad blockers for hmm. iOS and for Mac. Um, I had just installed this and forgotten about it a long time ago, and I had to uh, recently uh, redo uh, a couple of my systems, and I was feeling like, why is the internet such a terrible experience? And then I realized, oh, right, because I haven't installed that uh, ad blocker. And uh, so OneBlocker is a, is a really nice ad blocker, not least of which because you can set a lot of customization to it. And you can also do things like block URLs that you want to specify. Or if you're into like regex rules, like that's a thing that you can do. Uh, so it's uh, a really great uh, ad blocker. I don't use any ad blockers anywhere or anything. No. 
you're a better person than I am. No, I don't think that's the case. And I also, I don't think it's any kind of like, and I'm not trying to make any kind of political statement. Uh, I have just found that like, they just randomly break things. And I find it frustrating to be like, oh, something isn't working. Oh, it might be because of my ad blocker. And I've gotten pretty, I think I've been on the internet for long enough that I've gotten pretty good at ignoring ads where I don't want to mm. see them. I've, I have the ad blindness, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I can look at a page and I just never see him. So, you know, I, I'm fine with it. Again, like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not trying to be like, oh, but I also use Chrome <laughs> as well on my, on my iOS devices. So mm-hmm. I can't even use an ad blocker on iOS even if I wanted to. So there's a right, bunch of reasons, right. but like, I, I'm not trying to make a political stand. I've just never really gotten into it. Mm-hmm. I do use uh, a, a blocker. I think it's called like Cookie Box or something like that. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. And it stops those European Union cookie consent things. Oh, this is so annoying. Right? Because that, that is, like, not helpful to anyone. Um, and I have, so, like, this is mainly good for me because if I ever am in Safari, it's not a browser I use frequently. So I see those things everywhere. But then mm-hmm. I have this blocker that just blocks those pop-ups. Right, right. Yeah, that's so. good. That's good. My last recommendation for today i want to be pcalc for two reasons it's my favorite calculator app Mm -hmm. i love it it's a great calculator app i'm gonna say three reasons uh i can change to many different icons so i can have a fun icon and -hmm. also it has a game inside of it which i am the fastest in the world at completing and okay i literally am there's a game center yeah, no, I, yeah, and I understand, right? This is just we just transitioned this app recommendation into a brag. Yeah, I got it though. <laughs> yep, and I love the game because it shouldn't be in the calculator, and it is, and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. it there are like two separate levels to this game, and James Thompson is a wonderful genius, and I, yeah, it's wild. It shouldn't exist, but it does, and I love it. Yeah, it's a great calculator app. It's my calculator app of choice as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, we also know James Thompson just for the record mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so it's always really important to say that we know james i don't like, here's the thing i don't know is it important to say that i, I don't know I, like do we legally have to say that i never know i don't think we do but i feel like i don't think i legally have to say it but i feel like i should say it because people might be like oh i see him interacting with him on twitter all the time and yeah like and 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 also i think if we don't say it it could belittle the quality to people, right? So, like, if they work out that we're friends with these people, they'll be like, oh, they're only recommending that because they're friends. But, like, I'm yeah. really not. It's an excellent calculator. It's the best calculator. Yeah. But, uh, I, I just, yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how this stuff works. I also don't know, like, is this, are we good now that we've said it this once? And next year, if we mention PCALC again, do we have to mention it again? Or are we all set? Well, yeah, because I don't you know. can't assume that everybody's heard everything, you know? I, I you know I think we should ass- we should assume that that Cortex listeners have listened to every episode. Well, that's true. Uh, but but I just I like I don't know I don't know how this is, and I also feel like this might be one of these things that is a meme that just spreads. Mm-hmm. The idea of like okay, you legally have to disclose, must disclose. some set of things, yeah. but then everybody gets worried that you have to ex you have to confess the set of like n plus one things which then just push pushes the boundary out further so i was like i don't know i don't know how this works but I just, I, for some reason i kept feeling like anytime we know a developer like we got to make it really clear oh they also have a podcast on relay like, i don't know i, don't <laughs> I know really like cgb gray but you also bought me lunch one time so like one of us to do yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know at all uh, how this works. To finish up my recommendations, I have a simple recommendation. An app that does one thing very well. That app is called Thunderscape, and it plays thunder sounds in the background. If you're looking for thunder sounds while you're working, Thunderscape is where you want to go. Yep. All right. So I don't have to do this again for another five years. Is that how this works? No. Remember, it's ten months. Oh right. Okay. It's just ten months. Now away. this is get. Now this is getting confusing. Mm-hmm. There you go, people. You can stop asking. <laughs>